Bibles handy, won't you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 21, please. 1 Kings 21. So good to see all of you all out this morning. I hope your college football opening day was better than mine. I was so excited, and then the turtles stumbled upon the Longhorns once again, and we're 0-1. This weekend, I hope, has been great. It's, it's veteran, or I think it's Veterans Memorial Labor Day. It's one of those holidays. But it's, a, it's a good long weekend where we can all relax and enjoy our time with our friends and our families. But this morning, what I want to talk about is a man from the Old Kingdom or the Old Testament, a man whose reputation probably precedes him, and that man is Ahab. And so we're going to look at 1 Kings 21, starting in verse 1, because in this passage, we're told of an interesting story that happens between Ahab and someone else. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 21, Now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel, besides the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near my house. And I will give you a better vineyard for it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And Ahab went into his house, vexed and sullen, because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed, and turned away his face, and would eat no food. What we see here from Ahab is a very humanistic issue, and it's a a topic that I want to discuss today. In fact, we're going to look at the Ahab syndrome this morning. What we see with Ahab is he looks out and he sees this vineyard out by his palace, and he sees it, and he desires it, and he goes to Naboth, the owner of this vineyard, and says, "Let let me buy this vineyard from you. Let me either give you enough money or more money than what it's worth, or let me give you a better vineyard somewhere else. But Naboth says no. Naboth remembers back in Leviticus, or Numbers 36, where God had said that the inheritance of the Israelites cannot pass from one tribe to the next. It has to stay within the family. Naboth remembers this and refuses. And Ahab either disregards this law or just forgets it. But he wants this vineyard and doesn't get it. And so what we see in verse 4 is Naboth, or Ahab reacts childlessly. He goes back home, he lies in his bed, puts his face in his pillow, and won't eat or drink, and whines and complains because he hasn't gotten what he wants. This is the Ahab syndrome, that feeling of not getting what we want, that feeling of selfishness. I'm only looking out for what I want, and when I don't get it, well, then the world is a mess and I can't have it, and so my life is dark and dreary and nothing is going good for me at all. The Ahab syndrome is that feeling that only, what only matters is my desires. No one else's. So it's feelings of selfishness. And it's a problem that I think is very humanistic. We all have this, these times. We all have times that we can look back in our own lives or look around us and see how it's impacted ourselves when others have had these moments and seen selfishness at heart. So that's what I want to talk about today. What does selfishness come from? How do we deal with it? The first thing that we learn from this story is simple. Selfishness comes from immaturity. Look with me in verses 4 again, if you will. And Ahab went into his house vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. 
For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down in his bed and mount, turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so vexed that you can eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if, please, if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Do you see Ahab's immaturity come out and how he handles this situation? First off, he, he goes home to his own bed and lies in it to mourn that he hasn't been given what he wants. Even though in his mind, he's given him a fair deal. I should be the owner of this vineyard because look what I've given to him. I also think it is extremely telling that the person to tell Ahab he's being immature is Jezebel. She comes to him with a very simple question in verse 7 and says, Do you not govern Israel? She tells him that he's the king of Israel. Why does this matter to him? He could have any vineyard if he wants. And in terms of the worldly kings, he could go out and grab whatever vineyard he wanted. Jezebel notices something is wrong with Ahab. Because he's pitching or throwing a grown-up version of a temper tantrum. I think we can all hear this voice that Ahab gives to Jezebel when she asks him what is wrong. It's that voice that comes from so many kids or so many people who don't get the way they want. You see Ahab sitting here saying, Jezebel, he won't give me the vineyard. I gave him money. I could do anything for it, but he won't give it to me. Ahab's throwing a pity party. He's saying, look what's going wrong with me. Woe is me. I can't get what I want. That's how a child acts. I remember myself acting like that when I was a kid. When I didn't get what I want, when my favorite toy was taken away, I would cry, I would complain. I would always look at who had my toy and want it back and find a way to get it back by offering maybe a better toy in return. Ahab acts this way. He's immature, and his selfishness comes from that immaturity. But we can also see why his selfishness has grown with Jezebel's response. You see, Jezebel hears his problem, and instead of telling him to man up and get over it, she tells him, well, I'll get you that vineyard. I'm going to get you what you so desire. Don't worry, Ahab. You go eat. You go enjoy yourself. I'm going to take care of this. Jezebel pampers to his selfishness, to his immaturity, and that doesn't help it change or grow. Much like a parent, much like my parents when I was whining or complaining, when, when a child is complaining, you see this. They give in, they give them that toy just to stop the crying, just to stop the complaining sometimes, because that sometimes is better. But what we see with Jezebel is she's doing this in a way to make him feel better, to help him get over it. Ahab shows us that we can learn from allowing our Im immaturity to turn to selfishness, and what we see is when our lives, when we think about our own selves, our immaturity turns to selfishness in different ways. As a teen, teenager, for me, as painful as it is to say, I always wanted what I wanted. I didn't care what everyone else had. I, I only had eyes for myself. So if that meant I couldn't play video games, or I couldn't go to a sports game, or I couldn't hang out with my friends, well, it meant that I was going to be a bit of an immature person for my parents. I would pout. 
I would complain. I would hide up in my room and just do whatever I wanted in there, watching TV. And I would just ignore my parents because they said, well, no, we don't want you doing that this week. We don't want you doing that today. And I acted like Ahab, immaturely, and not responding properly to my parents. Because I didn't get what I want. I was told no, and someone stood in my way. As an adult, we still have the same mindset at times. We don't understand why we don't get a job straight out of college. We don't understand why we just got passed up for that promotion in our careers. We don't understand why my kids don't leave us alone when we're watching TV or college football or listening to a podcast. We don't understand why we can't just do whatever we want while our spouse cleans up the house or cooks or does everything else. We don't understand because we're only thinking about ourselves. Selfishness lasts all through all stages of life. It's not just there for children or kids, but it, goes, it continues through all of our experiences and all of our actions. And immaturity and selfishness does not just apply to my physical needs as well. It comes to my spiritual needs too. If I am there praying to God, asking for something, and I don't see it come about immediately or see it in the way that I desire it, well, then I'm, if I'm selfish and I view that as not getting what I want, I'm going to take it out on God, so to speak. I'm going to complain that God isn't bound to my need. He isn't caring for me like the Bible says he would. He just doesn't care. And I'm going to be immature, then, in how I respond to God. We see this when, well, maybe we can ask for a better, wealthier lifestyle so I can be happier and I don't get it. Maybe I can have that big, shiny new car, but it never comes about. When we view that and think that God hasn't given me that brand new Mercedes or anything like that, well, of course we're going to be upset. Selfishness comes from immaturity and seeing that we aren't getting what we want and responding from it in an immature kind of way. As a child, pouting is simple. This response is simple. We could pout and cry and whine, but as an adult, it's more masked. If we don't get what we want, we may hide it better. We may just, it's in our demeanor. We're just kind of walking around, shoulders bent over. Or we may throw snide comments at someone who stands in our way of getting what we want. Or it may just simply be like Ahab lying in our bed crying and not eating because we haven't gotten that vineyard we've so desired. When we see Ahab's example of this, we need to learn that this is not how we're meant to act. Jezebel points this out to Ahab. We need someone there to point it out for ourselves. We aren't meant to act immaturely or immaturely because we don't get what we want. And we have to be willing to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, do I respond this way? Am I being immature in this moment? Am I being selfish in this moment? Ahab shows us that selfishness stems from immaturity. Look with me again, or look with me now in verse 8, please. So she, Jezebel, wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived in, with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast, and set Naboth at the head of the people, and set two worthless men opposite of him, and let them bring a charge against him, saying, you have cursed God and in the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in the city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. 
As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite of him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city, and they stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned, he is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, for which he refused to give you money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab rose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to possess it. The second thing that we can learn from Ahab's syndrome is that selfishness hurts others. How many times do we think that our selfishness only affects me? That because I can't get what I want and because of how I'm acting, well, that only hurts me. It only is stopping me from getting what I want. We put ourselves in a little bubble, and it clearly can't ever seep out of that. Throughout Ahab's story, we only see examples of how his selfishness is hurting other people. We can first start with Jezebel. You see, in verses 4 through 7, because of his actions and his immaturity and his selfishness, Jezebel feels the need to fix it. She desires to make her husband feel better. She's pressed into action because of Ahab's selfishness. And because of her actions, we can see how his selfishness then extends to others. Ahab's selfishness is not just hurting him, but it's impacting his wife and his wife's decisions as well. Ahab's selfishness also hurts the city, the people that he is supposed to be governing rightly. You see, Jezebel's decree was to the elders and the leaders of the land, the people who grew up and knew Naboth personally. And her decree was simple. Set up a feast, make it seem like everything is going poorly and badly because you're going to declare a fast, and make it Naboth's fault. Tell the whole people that he has cursed God. Tell them that he has refused to obey God and and see what happens. The entire city carries out Jezebel's plan. That plan that is enacted from Ahab's selfishness. You see, Ahab has caused the city to murder one of their own. And that's where we finally see that Naboth is hurt by Ahab's selfishness. Ahab is the one who is hurt the most, in my opinion, because he's killed all because he said no to the king. Because Naboth refused to sell, because he obeyed the law that God had decreed through Moses, he is killed for it. Ahab's selfishness does not just stick with himself, but it hurts the people around him. And that's sad to see because I think we all know that's how it is with our own selfishness as well. As a teenager, when I was selfish... I hurt my parents because every time that I acted immaturely or selfishly, I took it out on them because they were most likely the ones telling me no or standing in my way. I would be rude to them and disrespectful. I would annoy my siblings because, well, look, Zach's being rude and mean to the parents because he's not getting what he wants right now. Selfishness just causes issues between a teenager and their parents because the teenager, and I'm speaking from my own experience, only sees the world as their own. They see it as it's all there for me. But likewise, selfishness when it comes from the adults 
is just as harmful. As an adult, my selfishness can impact my family, my community. If I am selfish in my relationship with my wife and having her do all the work while the house is a mess and I'm just sitting there watching college football or soccer, well, then it's going to put a strain in our relationship because I am not doing anything to help around the house. I'm only looking out for myself. Selfishness can impact the kids. Looking at my parents, I'm looking back and I can see times where one maybe stood stubborn because of what they wanted. And when they're selfish and there's a, a harmfulness between the spouses, as a kid, I would look to that and say, well, because they're more worried about that, I can go do what I want. I can get away with what I want. As an adult, my selfishness can hurt our children. My selfishness can affect my community as well. Our coworkers can find me terrible because I'm only looking out for myself because they have to pick up for the slack that I'm leaving beside. My community can be affected because I am being selfish in what I want. As Christians, our selfishness affects each other as well. Think about it in worship. If I'm only worried about how I sound when I sing, how I look when I'm praying, how loud my comment is in class, or how pertinent it is, well then... I'm going to try and make sure everybody hears me sing. I'm going to try and make sure everybody sees me pray. I'm going to try and make sure everybody hears my comment and understands how I am smart and well thought out. I'm going to distract people from their worship because I am more worried about myself and how I appear. We can learn from Ahab that my selfishness impacts everyone. It's not just a Zach thing. It's not just a bubble around me, but it quickly becomes a community thing. It quickly takes away people from what they need to focus on or what they need to do to help their own lives. More importantly, my selfishness can cause people to fall away because of their interactions with me. And if I wear that that badge on my shirt that says Christian and they see how I'm acting, how selfish I'm being, that can push people away from learning about God, from striving to be more like Christ. Because if Zach's acting that way as a Christian, well, I don't need to act that way. My selfishness can cause people to fall away. Selfishness does not only affect me, as we learn, but it hurts everyone around us. Look at me in verse 17, and we're going to see the final understanding of what selfishness does. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, the king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Who is in Samaria? Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick up your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, the dog shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. 
And anyone who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Elijah is told to go to Ahab. God tells him to go talk to him and and tell him what I am going to do to him because of what he's done. So Elijah appears, and I think it's interesting that we see Ahab's response to Elijah, because I think it's still that immature, selfish response. Have you come here, oh my enemy? He only views Elijah as that one person who's going to be in his way of getting what he wants. And because of that, he calls him his enemy. Elijah's not deterred. In fact, Elijah continues on. And what we see is, we see Elijah tell him, because of what you've done, because of what you have done, because you have caused Israel to sin from your selfishness, your line is going to be put out. You're going to be like Jeroboam and Basha, who have no long, or who are, whose lines no longer exist. The men in your family are going to be eaten by animals. In fact, every person in your lineage is either going to be eaten by dogs or by birds. Imagine hearing those words. Imagine if you've seen what you've done inadvertently and someone tells you all that. Ahab responds in a way that I think many of us would respond. In verse 25, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring disaster in his days. But in his son's days, I will bring disaster upon the house. What we learn is that selfishness is not final. Ahab hears what's going to happen to him. And he changes. And you see, his attitude in verses 25 forward is very different than his attitude in verses 4 through 7. He walks around dejectedly. He tears his clothes but he's doing it because he is truly sorrowful for what he has done and truly sorrowful for the punishment that is about to be levied upon him. Ahab responds to his actions. How do we react when our selfishness is pointed out? How do we react when our person who is just like Elijah tells us that my selfishness has hurt my family, that my selfishness has hurt my co-workers, that my selfishness has caused someone to fall away. Do we react like Ahab does? Or do we react more in the way of, well, I didn't see it, so it can't be true. I'm just going to brush that off and continue going on. We have to learn from Ahab here that our selfishness is not final. It can be changed. It can be fixed. Ahab changes and fixes his selfishness. And God holds off the punishment for him because of this. And we have to be willing to look at that in our own lives. And how do we apply that in our own lives? You see, instead of focusing on what I want, this means I need to look to others 
more often than I look to myself. Instead of worrying only about if Zach can get that time in the day to watch football, or if Zach can go to his favorite restaurant, I should be looking more to how can I make someone else happy in this moment? How can I make sure that they're enjoying their life or, or making their lives more easy and comfortable? How can I take that burden off of them? Instead of focusing on myself, I should be looking to my family and the people around me. How can I help my family get to heaven? How can I help my coworkers see the example of Christ in me? Changing from selfishness to selflessness means I have to reflect on who I am. There's going to have to be a time where I can sit down and look at who I am, what I've done, see how I've hurt people, and realize for myself that there has to be a change. But that's not okay to act as I've been acting. I have to be able to look at myself and see if I'm truly exemplifying Christ. Because if I'm exemplifying Christ, then selfishness should already be dealt with. Or I should be in the process of dealing with it. Because when we look at Christ, we have the example of someone who was the complete opposite of selfish. He left heaven to come to earth. And die for our sins. So that we have the opportunity at salvation. If I want to be more like Christ, then I need to understand that instead of acting in selfishness, I need to act in love and selflessness towards others. Sometimes, after sitting down and looking at myself, and that's not enough, we need help from someone else. We need our own Elijahs to sit there and tell us, You're being selfish right now. You're hurting the people around you because of your actions. We need someone to hold us accountable, to be willing to step in and tell us, you got to cool it. You got to stop that. Look at how you're impacting others around you. And hopefully that can draw us back to focusing more on love and being selfless. Selfishness is not final, there's nothing in it that says, When you're selfish, you can only be selfish and never change. In fact, when we look at the story of Ahab, when in verse 25, when it tells us that Ahab is among the most evil and wicked kings, and we can see that he changes, that should give us hope. Us hope that if Ahab can change, so can I. We can go from being selfish to repenting for our actions and becoming selfless, or taking those steps to become selfless. The story of Ahab and Naboth is a fascinating one to me, because it results in that repentance. But throughout this story, we see Ahab and his selfishness impact the world around him. But we see that it also, it stems from immaturity. It stems from him not realizing who he is and the role he's in, and how he should act at his age. It hurts everyone around him. It impacts Jezebel because she has to cater to him. It impacts his city and Naboth because they carry out the deeds and kill him. But like I said, it is not final. And we can see that in Ahab's story. I appreciate your attention this morning at this time. We'll go ahead and be dismissed for our classes.